Last week, we heard the opening verses of John chapter 15, Jesus teaching us that he is the vine and we are the branches, and we bear fruit as long as we abide in him. Today, we hear the next part of that lesson, that the fruit Jesus wants us to bear is the rich and vital gift of love. Listen now to Jesus's words from John 15, beginning with verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you, to love one another. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today, as Mark shared in prayers, today, of course, is Mother's Day. For many, it is a wonderful day. For others, you might say it is fraught with peril. For those of us whose mothers have been long gone, there is grief. And perhaps reminiscence and hope. For those whose mothers were far less than perfect, the idolization of the emblem of motherhood can feel sickeningly sweet. And for women who wanted to be mothers but weren't, or women who have lost children far too soon, it is supremely painful. So, so it is with a bit of fear, but also hope that I tread into this territory, hoping indeed that all of us who are gathered in worship will find a word of grace. So listen again to the word of God as it comes to us from the first letter of John, beginning in the fourth chapter, the seventh verse. Beloved, let us love one another because love, love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. 
And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God has loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and God's love is perfected in us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Oh God, may someday be the time that we come together in all love. And may this day be the time when we feel your love close and near. Open our hearts to your word that we might hear what you would have to say. And may all God's people say, Amen. What does one give to the one who gave you life itself? Today on Mother's Day, I can't help but think of a poem by Billy Collins called The Lanyard. The other day, I was ricocheting slowly off the blue walls of this room, moving as if underwater from typewriter to piano, from bookshelf to an envelope lying on the floor, when I found myself in the L section of the dictionary, where my eyes fell on the word lanyard. No cookie nibbled by a French novelist could send one into the past more suddenly, a past where I sat at a workshop bench at camp by a deep Adirondack lake, learning how to braid long strips into a lanyard, a gift for my mother. I had never seen anyone use a lanyard or wear one if that's what you did with them, but that did not keep me from crossing strand over strand again and again until I had made a boxy red and white lanyard for my mother. She gave me life and milk from her breasts, and I gave her a lanyard she nursed me in many a sick room, lifted spoons of medicine to my lips, laid cold face cloths on my forehead, and then led me out into the airy light and taught me how to swim. And I, in turn, presented her with a lanyard here are thousands of meals, she said, and here is clothing and a good education. And here is your lanyard, I replied, which I made with a little help from a counselor. 
Here is a breathing body and a beating heart, strong legs, bones, and teeth, and two clear eyes to read the world, she whispered. And here, I said, is the lanyard I made at camp. And here, I wish to say to her now, is a smaller gift. Not the worn truth that you can never repay your mother, but the rueful admission that when she took the two-tone lanyard from my hand, I was as sure as a boy could be that this useless, worthless thing I wove out of boredom would be enough to make us even. I love that poem. What does one give to the person who gave you life itself? Even for those mothers who were less than perfect, and of course, no one is perfect, Nothing can come close to making it even, can it? But perhaps we can start with that humble acknowledgement of how feeble our thanks really are. And then, and then once that's said, once that rueful admission is laid on the altar of our regret-filled penitence, then what? Perhaps it, it is a starting place to ask what it is that our parents really want from us, what mothers really want on Mother's Day, or parents want on any day for that matter. And the answer, the answer might just surprise us. Speaking as a mother myself, I'm, I might begin with wanting a little appreciation, which Annie does well, of course. But even more when she was growing up, it was nice when more than once a year I'd find the dirty dishes had walked themselves from the table to the dishwasher or that a ride to soccer practice or whatever else has to be done immediately might be planned mm, an hour in advance or more now and then. But really, don't these things symbolize a mother's deepest longing? That, that when her children grow up and leave, that they are considerate and kind, resourceful and wise, that they stay safe from harm, and most of all, that they remember who they really are and what in the end matters most, which in the end boils down to this, Jesus tells us. It all boils down to love, to love. But you might ask, how do we get there? 
how do those of you who are parents get this single priority into them? Well, you do your best, which is never easy, but has been astronomically more difficult during this pandemic. I can't imagine. I don't know how young families have made it through this incredible challenge. But the reality is, as every parent knows, there's only so much of any of this that's in our hands. You can put cold washcloths on their foreheads and feed them a thousand meals, but then they're off and running and we have no protection for them morally or physically. No more protection than that of a bicycle helmet facing a Humvee. Nevertheless, you do your best. And frankly, one of the best gifts you can give them is other adults, which is one of the reasons that church has mattered to me so very much all my life. Not because a church is a magic formula for well-being, but because if we are wise, then we know that even the best parents' wisdom and love are not going to be enough for their kids. Writer Anne Lamott, who of course is not a pastor and therefore has much more street cred than I do, Anne Lamott has talked a lot about raising her son Sam in church. Now she's making sure her grandson is going to church too. But years ago, when Sam was young, Lamont said this. Well, I can feel Sam's agonized resistance to attending church. I know there is nourishment for him there. There is real teaching. And a prime parental role is to insist that your kids get real teaching. Showing up is the lesson. The singing is the lesson and the power of community. I can't get this to him in a nice package like a toaster, pastry, or takeout. I make him come to church with me instead. This in spite of Sam hating going to church. Why then make him go? Well, Lamont says it this way. We live in bewildering, drastic times, and I want him, I want him to see people who loved me when I felt most unlovable, who have loved him since I first told them that I was pregnant. And there are worse things for kids than to have to spend time with people who love God. <laughs> Teenagers who do not go to church are adored by God, but they don't get to meet some of the people who love God back. Learning to love back is the hardest part of being alive. Learning to love back is the hardest part of being alive. She is so right. 
and probably it's the most important part too. How do any of us learn how to love back? In part from our families, of course, but so often from others who become like family to us, including people at church. Like Mrs. Elliot, who checked the curriculum in seventh grade Sunday school and talked to us about belonging and dating and parents and everything else. And for the first time, for the first time, I got it that God knew me through and through and loved me anyway. We learn to love back through our surrogate parents, like several men of the church who rallied around an 11-year-old boy when his father died, who made sure that this boy had mentors and eventually a job. That young boy grew into an amazing man. He is my husband. When we learn to love back through our fellow church members who weep with us and laugh, with us and even tell us when we're wrong. That's how we grow because they know. They know that none of us can get through this life, this rough and tumble life alone. It's not a secret it's not a secret, though the candy companies and 1-800-Flowers in the jewelry stores might try to tell you otherwise. It's really not a secret that the greatest gift that any mother in her right mind wants from her kids is simply this, that they learn how to love back, even or maybe because it's the hardest and most important part of being alive. And as I ponder this longing that lies deep in every parent's heart, it's clear to me. Whether we call God father or mother or something else altogether, isn't this what God wants for us too? For all of us to learn what it means to love. Near the end of his time on earth, it must have terrified Jesus to launch his disciples to send them like teenagers into the world when they think they're prepared but really have so little to protect them. How hard it must be still for God to watch us being spiritually birthed into a world that has all kinds of resources defeat, to defeat us in these bewildering, drastic times that are so tough to navigate, even for the very old and wise ones. Which is why Jesus said to his followers, I appointed you to go out and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So I am giving you these commands so that you love one another. And in the scripture reading we heard from the first letter of John, doesn't the writer say the same thing? 
Beloved, beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and God's love is perfected in us. In the end, what God wants for each one of us is just what every mother wants for her child, that we stay safe from harm, that we don't forget who God is or that God loves us, that we remember who we really are behind our fear or bravado, behind our youthful cluelessness or aged forgetfulness, behind all of the times we act our worst, that underneath, beneath all of it, we're still children of God. What God wants from each of us is that we hang on to the things that really matter and loosen our fingers' grip on the stuff we think will make us happy. Simply put, that we learn to love back because we've been loved so much by God. (laughs) So what, what does one give this one who gave us life itself. For all the ways that God has nursed us in a sick room and led us out into the airy light and taught us how to walk and swim through life's deep waters and fed us thousands of meals and given us a breathing body and a beating heart, Sometimes I shudder at the spiritual lanyards that I, for one, have created over all these years, long plastic strips of prayers and pledges with occasional acts of kindness woven into this offering I've so proudly presented as if my gift could ever make us even. So let me say now, not the worn truth that You can never repay our God, but the sincere hope that today, at least, I offer what our divine parent really longs for, that when I grow up, I am considerate and kind. I am resourceful and wise, that I stay safe from the world's harm that I remember who I really am and what in the end really matters. Loving back. Loving back. Just as I have been so fully and endlessly loved. Amen.